Hello, 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 and welcome back to episode five of Rad Talk, where sports and medicine collide. I'm Dennis, that's Gage, and we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I'm just going to do a quick recap for you guys. We touched on some of the travel stuff last time. Gage touched on some of uh, the undergrad, beginning of medical school stuff, which he's going to elaborate on. I'm going to jump into um, some more of the travel stuff. So last time we started, we ended with okay, the travel pay, you're going through the interview. Um, we're going to start with, okay, now you got the, you got the offer, you've accepted. Um, where do you go from here? Um, and now you're going to start getting a bunch of emails to go and get your um, vaccines if you need to get your, uh, your um, flu shot or if you need to get your tuberculosis check. Um, so you're going to go do that. You're going to have to go get a physical um, you get drug tested every new job you get. Um, you also, yeah. And so every, you know, if you take a new job every three months, you get drug tested every three months. Um, okay. And so you're also probably going to get sent a message from the manager uh, about whether that's orientation um, or uh, different. Also, you have to do different modules for the company that you are um, working for, as well as probably modules for the hospital whether that's um, going through, you know, how to lift people properly, um, whatever modules that that particular hospital mm -hmm. mandates for their employees. Um, and, so, and in the sonography world, you have to also take um, a sonography test. For, it's a competency test for the company that you're working for. Um, and usually you have to do that once a year, unless you're switching companies, then you need to take that particular competency for that company. And so these are all the things that you got to get done before your start date, which um, can vary. I mean, if they needed you and usually they give it about two weeks or so because they need to be, you need to be able to get the drug test, do those mm -hmm. things. And it needs to get back to the hospital um, as successful and that you passed and before they can allow you to start the, um, a little tidbit, I'm going to give you a little nugget here. Um, the hospital sometimes will say, we need you to get um, this particular pair of scrubs. We want, we all wear gray, gray and we want you to yeah. wear gray. Um, and I used to do that. I used to find those scrubs and sometimes it was a pain in the neck depending on where I was living and you got to get it, you know, mailed to you in time frame and, you know, it's kind of crunch time. And so my Can nugget. Can you use the hospital ones? Uh, well, my, well, my nugget is um, if you have other scrubs, Typically, if you wear that to the hospital and you say, hey, like my scrubs haven't came in yet. Are you OK with this? They usually don't care. Um, mm. It's usually per policy that they have to forward you that um, wear these particular scrubs. But and I used to do that. And then once I just was just like, oh, OK, I have these this pair of scrubs. They don't care. Um, mm -hmm. I've been to a lot of hospitals and they don't care usually. Um, I've never actually been to a hospital that really cared. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, and, and I think gauge is probably another thing. I think you could probably get away with wearing, um, the scrubs from the hospital, whether that's from the OR scrubs or, or, or whatever. That's something that I haven't done just because I like my scrubs with my nice pockets. And, yeah. and also, also another nugget, um, typically the company that you're working for factors in, um, the price of scrubs. And so if you need to buy scrubs, that's reimbursable because that's, uh, something that you need for the job. Um, 
also another little thing is reimbursable is your um your license for that particular state now an ultrasound i believe mm-hmm. there's only four four states that you need a ultrasound specific license new mexico north dakota oregon and new hampshire i think that's four um and and so they'll reimburse you for that as well. Also parking, like I've worked in Los Angeles before. I know I'm like going mm-hmm. aside. Worked in Los Angeles, and and I work with people there who parking. It was fifteen dollars a day just to park at the hospital, um, which uh-huh. is adds up. Oh my gosh, fifteen dollars a day. Yeah. That's you know work five days a week. That's a lot of money. Um, and so that's also reimbursable through the company. And so these are questions that I highly recommend before you take the job. Find these things out. Um, and make sure that the company factors that into reimbursing you for that, for these expenses. Okay, so you, you've got the job. Mm-hmm. You're going in day one. You get to meet all of the the rads, everybody um, in radiology, the sonographers, whatever, you know, the nurses. And so I think the most important thing I can say going into it um, is, like, and I know this is try to fit in um, yeah. to the best you can because they do things a certain way. And you don't want to be the one who says, well, at this place, we did it this way. Yeah. And at this place, we did it this way. Because people are going to start to, they're going to be like, well, you're not in Kansas anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, we we do our protocols this way. We have this set up. And you need to follow along with what they say. Um, that's been a, a hard time with for me, just for various things. Sometimes, just an example, um, you know, I do a write-up or quadrant in some places and we can just look at the gallbladder and where I do a right upper quadrant at this place. And I look at the liver and right kidney gallbladder and I do a right upper quadrant here. And it's everything minus the pancreas or add the pancreas. And yeah. so you, these little short little things that you just have to kind of remember um, the weirdest thing. I, I, not the weirdest, but the most unique, I can say weird, most unique yeah. thing that I think I've ever seen was, um, these rads were familiar with the old B scanners, which I've never worked on before because um, it's it's very archaic, I think. Yeah. But all of their ultrasounds were done from right to left, and you did no labeling of any organs ever. Oh, God. So you just wrote like sagittal right, transverse right, sagittal mid, and it was from, we're talking, you know, thyroids to the abdomens to yeah. every everything was done just right to left you didn't label anything which was very difficult to get used to um but you, again you do it the way they want you to do it now if something is you know in a like completely wrong or like scary or something obviously bring that to somebody's attention um yeah. but the radiologists make these protocols and and they typically go along with like acr guidelines or other mm-hmm. guidelines that are that are recommended um and so so do it that way um another like little bit um is some hospitals have you clocking in and out and some don't and so uh, my thing is is and when i first started i would ask a lot of questions like where do i clock in and out at where do i um do this at or that at and then i think i've learned that i don't ask as many questions um, because I just want them to tell me how they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the more questions I ask, the more doors, the more Pandora's boxes I can open. And yeah. so if you ask me, if you tell me I need to clock out here, then I'll clock out here. If you don't tell me I need to clock out here, then I won't clock out here. Um, usually the clocking in and out 
doesn't make a difference on our end because a lot of times we're what we're doing is we're sending our um, time cards to the to the company to the travel company and then we're getting it you have to have a manager sign that and then the travel company is sending it a copy to the hospital or to the hr and so they have records of it travel company has records of it and then you get paid appropriately you have a manager or supervisor or lead or whomever they designate for you to sign that that piece of paper for you um and and i also wanted to kind of go into a war a a brief overview of sometimes like a travel assignment might not work out. Um, mm-hmm. I've worked and this is kind of like um, taboo. Uh, I don't hear a lot about this, but this is just a little tidbit. I've worked with different folks that literally I'm working side by side with and they were let go. Um, I worked with, with somebody that I'd worked with for a week and I was doing training and I can tell you that this individual was let go because he was a jerk um, yeah. he <laughs> literally, he was, yeah. um, and, and he'd started and they, the sonographer started to complain about him, how he was talking to them. He was taking exams that he wanted to do as opposed cherry to picking. like, yeah. yep, he was cherry picking yeah. the exam that he thought would fit, you know, be easiest or was whatever for him. Yeah people start recognizing that and sometimes you can get away with that, but don't be a jerk. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and next thing you know, by the end of the week, um, you know, people were asking me and I was like, well, you know, that's just how, you know, how he is, how his personality is. Yeah. And, and by the end of the week he was gone, they were, they got him out. Um, I also worked with other folks that um, maybe weren't as competent and so they noticed a huge drop off from their full-time sonographers to this traveler who's come in. Mm-hmm. And so um, a, a lot of places I worked, you know, I'm, I don't know everything. And so I've learned a ton of stuff everywhere I go, whether it's from the doctors or the sonographers, or you know, sometimes you do, um, you know, an a, a ABI or something. You haven't done that in a year, PR yeah. hip, you know, hips or something you haven't done in, in a long time. And you go in, you're like, hey, I, you know, I think if you're honest and you're forthright with that, with the managers or, you know, the company and things, and you come in there, you say, I haven't done this in a while. People, I, I like, I, I don't know if I've been extremely lucky, but people were more than willing to, to teach me or to walk me through the process again. Mm-hmm. Um, understand that, like, I'm being honest, like, I don't necessarily remember how to do this particular thing. Like, show me how to do it. Give me a couple times. Um, and they, and I, I've never had any pushback, I think. I don't know if that's just unique in the sonography world that we're always trying to like learn new things or remember how to do other things. Um, it's, it's, it's like riding, I know it's like riding a bike. Sometimes if you haven't done it in a while, sometimes you need a little bit of a refresher and that's, and that's okay. I don't want anybody to be discouraged on like, it's just too much, too much to know for us to remember how to do everything all the time. Right. And, And especially if you're working at, you know, different facilities, I mean, some, some departments in sonography world, they don't do vascular um, at all. Or some departments don't do second and third trimester OBs at yeah, all. That's how it is here. Yeah. And so, and so you're like, if I'm working in a place there for you know extended period of time and I'm not doing second or third trimesters, and then I go to a hospital and they're like, well, we're going to do a lot of second and thirds. We're going to do anatomy scans. We're going to do full fetals. We're looking at the heart, LVOT, RVOT. And you're like, well, I have not done that in because I've been working yeah. in this particular place for six or seven months. And so I think there's that understanding it, that 
we're willing to show you, we're willing to teach you. I will take time with you. I've even had um, places that exams I've never done before, whether that was some MSK stuff or some yeah. TC, TCDs um, that is, I think a lot of times oh, done by echo or vascular departments um, that they, that they did there and they were willing to, to show me. And I was just like blown away that not only do I not, have I never done this before, but you're willing to take the time and make sure that I become competent at it, knowing that I'm going to leave. And I think that goes back to being open and honest, trying to fit in, mm -hmm. trying to be, trying to be nice. Is Sam making a presence there? Yes, he's uh, trying. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you're listening, Gage's cat, Sam, uh, makes a presence from here and there. So, um, but yeah. And so I think, I think those are all, uh, important, important things. Just be like a respectful, open, honest person. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to go a long way because as a traveler, people are looking, you're filling a need and, and you're there to help the department. And some departments are going to bring you in and they're going to, uh, abuse you sometimes. Um, because oh, yeah. oh, they yeah. feel like, they feel like, you know, you're, getting paid a lot more than them. And so they feel like you should do double the amount of work. Um, and if something like that happens, I think it's important to have a conversation with a recruiter, have a conversation with the manager, um, know that you're only there for a short period of time. And so if you feel like it's not worth those conversations and you can just push through, uh, make a mental note of, of how that is. Hopefully um, they acknowledge that you're a person and that, you know, this, yeah. this is a field that, you know, has also has a lot of injuries um, and, and that they don't want you to get any more hurt than you want them to get hurt. And so we all kind of bury that bird or carry that burden. Um, and, and I think, and I understand because I've before working with a traveler or before being a traveler, I've worked with travelers before mm -hmm. and, and I've felt that way, you know, you're making so much more money, but that was before I took into account the, also the other, the expense that we had talked about oh, in yeah. prior episodes of of housing and yada 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 um and so yeah i just wanted to touch on i was always interested in the dynamic because uh it's the same with residents mm -hmm. and attendings right they're paid exponentially more than we are especially right. as a fellow right. they do a little bit more work than i do but they don't do much so i i understand the being angry yeah. about the pay discrepancy um right. it's, but... it's tough and i think and i think if you want to especially um, now, or especially anytime, I guess, it, I feel like it's, I've become more aware that I'm not, like, I'm excited for any individual that is able to go out and get what they feel they're worth. If you can mm -hmm. get what you feel, you know, financially that you're worth, like, kudos to you. Um, I would rather be mad at the hospital. Yeah. It's the, the entity, the big entity that's not paying other people appropriately. Um, or isn't taking care of their employees appropriately that's maybe causing some of these turnovers or causing these traveler issues. I mean, sometimes travel issues are just caused because some couple people went on maternity leave at the same time and you're just kind of in a rut. Um, yeah. And then other times it's, it's being mismanaged. One of the top reasons people leave their job is, is management supervisor. They don't get along or they don't see, you know, they're being overworked, various reasons. And so you see those, I see a lot of those kind of things too. Um, and so I think I, I, I would be more hard pressed to be upset with the hospital and not the individual. Um, take care of your people. Your people will take care of you. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, I, that's those are the just kind of the, some of the brief things I was going to talk about um, 
getting into, I know the next thing we're going to be jumping into is Gage is going to continue telling us about mm -hmm. medical school and yeah. the wonders of that. Um, and that's why we named this episode medical school. Where does it, when does it all end? So, I'll yeah, so last time we talked up to, up to medical school, right? Like I talked about the MCAT and all that kind of stuff. Right. So now we have to assume that you've taken the MCAT, you've done well, grades, you got it, all that stuff is taken care of and you've applied. Um, I think I talked about the application process for medical school last time. So we'll just assume you've been accepted. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you've been accepted into medical school at this right. point. You, you said you applied to 30 or 40. Yeah. Different with schools. the expectation that you don't, you won't get invited or interviews at all of them. Mm -hmm. But the more you, the more you apply to, the more likely, the more interviews you're going to get with the downside of it's going to cost you more money. Right. Um, so we'll assume you've been accepted in a medical school. Um, and I can talk about, you know, my experience where I went to medical school and all that kind of stuff. But as a right. general overview, um, there are two different types of, I don't know how to describe medical doctors, I guess, two different types of doctors. Oh, like Most people are familiar with the MD, you know, right. the medical doctor. Uh, I'm actually DO, which is the other version. Um, for all intents and purposes, there's no difference. We all do the same thing. Um, the training is roughly the same. Um, so once you pick one. And now you're and now MD medical doctor, DO, it's doctor of osteopathic. Is that right? Yeah. So MDs are all allopathic doctors. We're osteopathic doctors. It's supposed to be more like, um, like holistic, I guess, a whole body approach. I don't know that that's actually true, but uh, still Western. It's still Western medicine. Yeah, still. Oh, yeah, yeah, very yeah, much yeah. so. Right. Um, so you pick. You can pick either one, um, but once you do, the application process is the same. So once you get to the, I can only speak to my experience at an osteopathic school, but the, the MD school is going to be roughly the same. Um, so it's four years, right? So it's the same amount of time as undergrad. Um, the split is two and two. So your first two years is um, all classroom work, well, mostly classroom work, um, where you take like bio, you do biochemistry, um, anatomy, physiology, all the general stuff you would do, pharmacy, all that kind of stuff um, that you need to learn basic knowledge. Um, some of it's basic first year, and then you, you build on it your second year. So you're ready to go into the hospital. Um, but the first couple years are pretty eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, I think it was, I don't remember, maybe a couple weeks into my first year, we took a quiz. It was worth like six points or something, but I studied for like three hours oh my and I was like, oh my God, this is not, you know, this is what I have to do for the next, well, for the rest of my life, but at least two years. Uh, so I knew then that it was not going to be, because for a lot, like I talked last episode, a lot of people can coast. A lot of doctors are smart enough. They can coast through college. Some of them are smart enough to coast through med school, but those are like the elite, very few. But most of us, when you get there, you're like, oh my God, you know, you're not ready for this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's a lot more hours than medical or than college. So you're taking more classes, you're doing more stuff. Um, the, the, the content is not necessarily harder. It's more the volume. It's just a whole bunch of volume at the, at the same time. Cause you're taking all these classes that was on biochem anatomy, phys, anatomy lab, all this stuff you're taking at the same time. They don't, it's not broken down. Um, so for me, the volume was very tough um, to adapt to, but mm -hmm. essentially what happens is you, you do the first 
it's broken down into semesters like college is, but you do four semesters of so two years um, where you learn the basics, uh, basic medicine, all that kind of stuff. And then once you finish the two years, you go in the second two years, depending on who you are, might be better. I'm not a huge, we'll get, we can get into it at some point, but I'm not a huge clinician, which is one of the reasons I chose radiology. But the last two years are the clinical years of med of your uh, medical school. So the first year and a half ish is kind of, um, what's the word like laid out for you. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, they're set. So you have to do internal medicine. You have to do peds. You have to do OB. You have to do family medicine. Like you don't get the pick. You have to do those Mm. core, like core, uh, rotations. And then there's some electives built in. So once you get into like the end of your third year, you're like, okay, I'm starting to think I want to do radiology. I want to do one. That's not, if you want to do something, that's not one of the core radiology is not a core rotation. So I had to do an elective. Um, Mm. if you want to do most surgery surgery rotations are just general surgery. So if you want to do plastics or, um, orthopedics or neurosurgery, you have to take an elective. Um, so the first part of your third year, does that add on to your, now does that add on to your time gauge? Like if you're going to take uh-uh. no, so it's all built in. Okay. So the first, the first rotate, the core rotations you do first, and then they give you time at the end to pick your electives to do whatever okay. you want to do. And you can also take your electives in things that you've already done. So if you know you want to do internal medicine, then you take an elective in maybe either internal medicine or one of its subspecialties like cardiology or GI or whatever. So if you're, um, if you're, if you're family medicine, if you know, okay, I'm going to go family medicine, you could take, yeah. you already took your regular class in family medicine or whatever that is. And yeah. now you're taking an elective more into mm-hmm. family medicine doctor or whatever. Yep. Okay. Okay, so you either you. get more exposure into family medicine or you get exposure into other things to make sure you don't want to do it. Like family medicine is what you want to do. Gotcha. Um, I knew anecdotal. I knew about five minutes into my, I, I think I started with internal medicine and okay. I started out, I started outpatient. So we started in a clinic mm-hmm. and it was five minutes into my first um, like history and physical. And I was like, I cannot do this. <laughs> so I knew immediately I didn't want to do any kind of clinical medicine, yeah. which yeah. eliminates everything for the most part, except what I chose and pathology. Pathologists don't see, they don't do clinical medicine either. Right. Um, so once I figured that out, radiology, it's getting down the road, but radiology was an easy choice once I figured that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you, like I said, the first two years clinical or uh, preclinical and then clinical. There's also some exams along the way. Doctors get tested a lot. Um, so not not exams like uh, like the quiz I was telling you about. Everybody has those mm-hmm. uh, as well. But you also there's three what they call step exams. Uh, the first one is called step one. They're all just numbered. But step one, which you take after your I think it's after your second year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've learned all of your preclinical stuff, and now you have to go take an exam. Uh, so when I went through that exam, in large part dictated what specialty you could go into. So if you didn't score very well, you weren't going to go into a competitive subspecialty, which is usually like your surgical subspecialties are very competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went through radiology was competitive, anesthesiology, stuff like that is more competitive. Whereas stuff like family medicine, peds is not as competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, most people study six-ish months, like dedicated studying for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you take that in the summer before you start um, 
the clinical years. Um, so assuming you do well on step one, that gives you, that opens a lot of doors that wouldn't otherwise be open if you don't score and it can make up for a lot. <clears throat> so if you have poor, cause you get graded on all, everything. So if you have poor, uh, like clinical scores, but you have a good step one that can help, um, it can cover some red flags, but it can't cover all of them. Right. Right. And, and so you're, you're, you do your first two years and then you take this test and then that just helps mm -hmm. you decide for your first didactic years basically and then yeah. to the clinical side for the following two years take a test mm -hmm. and that can help decide if you're going to specialize into something that maybe is a little bit more competitive than other things so yeah step one determine the first after the first two years it's kind of ironic but that first test will tell you a lot even if you think you want to do orthopedics and you score poorly on that test you're not going to do likely not going to do orthopedics yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so you take the test after the clinical years. So then you do a year of your third year, which is the clinical year. You take, you do that, and you take another exam after that third. Usually, most people after the third clinical year, and that focuses more on clinical medicine. So the mm -hmm. stuff you've been learning in clinic, you'll get tested on. Um, it has some, you know, physiology and all that kind of stuff, but less than step one. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so that is. It's, there's been a shift. Um, they're all graded. When I went through, they were all graded on a three-point scale. Uh, since I've graduated and moved on and into residency and fellowship, they have now made step one pass fail. Oh, so wow. you don't get a you don't get a score anymore. So the 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 uh, programs can't use it as like a barometer. They just know that you passed or you failed. If you failed, obviously that's a barometer. They don't likely you're not going to get uh, accepted. But if you passed, they don't know where on that spectrum you have fallen. You could have been in the 95th percentile or just above failing. They have no clue. Um, as far as I understand, I don't know if the, maybe the candidates get like a score themselves, but the program yeah, doesn't yeah. see it. So if you fail, what do you like? What happens? I don't know if you know the answer. Uh, that. So I mean, nothing happens. You get you can retake it, okay. um, but it looks very bad. If it takes you multiple attempts to pass the exam, uh, oh. programs won't look your options will be very limited. If you gotcha. get in, in my experience, if you get in, it's going to be at a program that's less than ideal. So it's going to have a whole bunch of red flags, but you really don't have a choice because right. of, you know, your, your resume. Right. right. Um, and I'm sure you make the best of that. You know, you, it doesn't, yeah, most people to, usually do. Yeah. You know, because it's all about what you're going to put into it. Maybe you don't pass yeah. and but you put more into it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, if you're a bad test taker or something, they exist. So, they do. Yeah, a lot of people have. And you're not, you, you've never taken, I mean, the MCAT, I guess, but the mm -hmm. MCAT doesn't compare to the step yeah. exams. So you've never taken an exam, one, like this, two, that has this much importance on your future. Life, uh, yeah. So there's a, yeah, there's a lot of people that uh, find out their scores and you can tell they either did better than, you know, they thought or the opposite where they're like, you can tell they didn't do as well as they wanted to. Mm. Um, it's tough. Yeah. So then you take, when you take step one, do the clinical, then you take step two. Um, but what I was saying is when I went through step two was not, it's not that important as long as you don't go in the wrong direction, meaning you don't score significantly lower on step two than you did step one. Um, now with step one being pass fail, the importance has been shifted to step two. So mm -hmm. programs will now, some programs, I think I've heard from the uh, medical students that come through that I've mm -hmm. talked to that you have to take step two before you can even apply. 
Wow. So they've already shifted the the focus onto step two. Mm -hmm. um, so then you take that, assuming you do well, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And then the last one, there's another one, step three, but you don't take that until you get into residency. So there's okay. two board exams in medical school Damn. on top of all the other countless quizzes and tests you had to take along the way. Yeah. Um, they just so yeah, weed you out. They're just trying to. Yeah, that's why doctors get angry when people come in and they're like, "Oh, I looked at Google, you know, for mm -hmm. like no disrespect, but you like looked at Google for thirty minutes and mm -hmm. like we've been tested a million times on this stuff, right? Um, as long as it's within our field. If you're asking us something that's not in our field, then there's likely you you do know more. But yeah. um, if you're coming to me about a radiology question, you're not going to know as much as I know for sure. Having done, you know what. Not on six years now. So yeah, yeah, and 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 now even and so all these testings. I think I've talked to you before, and you said um, you know medical school did not get you ready for mm. to be a radiologist. You're like mm -hmm. you know, yeah, so nothing to do with me. Yeah, radiology <laughs> is unique at a lot of schools. A lot of schools don't prepare you to do radiology, mm -hmm. um, just because a lot of people don't know how to do radiology outside of radiology. So if you don't get a radiologist to teach your medical school, then good luck. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also not important because I think, I don't know how many kids I graduated with, but only six of us went in to radiology oh, wow. out of maybe a couple hundred. Like it's just, it's not very common. Yeah. So you can't really uh, cater to the few, you know, you have to cater to the many. Mm -hmm. um, right. So medical school is largely designed for people that will end up in general practice to like family medicine or internal medicine, peds, OB, it's largely geared towards them. Mm -hmm. um, it's less geared towards people that want to do what I did, mm -hmm. anesthesia, any kind of surgical subspecialty is not really taught about in uh, yeah. medical school. Yeah. So it's it's largely, at least American medical school is, is, is catered to people that want to end up in general practice, mm -hmm. which is for a reason, right? They're more important than we are, like, frankly, uh, there's a huge massive, shortage. Massive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. there's a huge shortage of them so mm -hmm. there's a shortage of doctors in general but for sure yeah and so. i mean and i even i mean i know we're i'm bouncing around even a little more but i've worked with um radiology assistants before mm -hmm. that I've, I've i think i've only worked with one radiology assistant before but that was the person that was kind of similar to a pa that was doing radiology procedures and so i know yeah, they're radiology specific mm -hmm. whereas a pa is not radiology specific Right, right, PAs right. are actually PAs do the same similar training to what we do. They mm -hmm. do the, the first two years for PAs is the same as it is for us where they differ is the second two years. They don't do as much clinical as gotcha. we do. And then they don't have to do residency or fellowship. Right. So right, right, right. I think they can, but they don't have to. Right. And, and so you guys are very, and then, I mean, and even from that, you guys, from radiology and then you, you specialize even more. And I mean, I, I guess we'll get into that probably in another episode after we get through, mm -hmm. we still got to get through your residency and yeah. then your fellowship. And then, you know, why you, why you try, how do you specialize while you're in, I don't yeah. know if you choose, I don't know if you choose to specialize in residency. I don't know if we, we won't tell too much about that, I guess. Um, stuff I'm also kind of learning along the way. I, I don't yeah. know a lot of these things that Gage has been through. So it's kind of interesting for us. all. Yeah. I mean, medical school is, is a unique, I did not enjoy medical school in terms of the school itself. It's also very, I mean, you've been around enough doctors, you know how they are. Mm -hmm. So it can be very, uh, 
uh, what's the word? I guess competitive is the word you would use, but these people are built different. A lot of them, they don't really care. So it gets very hyper aggressive, hyper competitive when it comes to these, uh, taking these quizzes and all this kind of stuff. Um, I think you compared it best when you, you know, said sports. I mean, you, you get into this thing and mm -hmm. trying, I'm trying to, and you know, force my will onto everybody. Um, and you're, you're looking at these people as you're, they're, they're going through the same thing, but you're competing against each other. I'm trying to get a better score than you to get where I want to go. And you're trying to do the same thing for me. And so they're trying to get some sort of a competitive edge or I'm sure that's, and then you have all these type A personalities. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's this, I think old adage of how different nurses are compared to, um, to doctors. Um, and I know nurses are competing as well through what they're doing and everybody has their own competition, especially in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to compete for their jobs, um, or, or schooling wise, but doctors, yeah, they're super focused and they're constantly learning and they're being constantly being tested and they're probably constantly mm-hmm. stressed out and you're lacking sleep and yeah, <laughs> and then, yeah, it's, yeah like, you do get tested a lot. Yeah. there were nights if you're a good studier, you could, you'll, you'll break it up, you know, over mm-hmm. time. No, most people were, st- I vividly remember staying up all night, several, just countless times yeah. studying for, because right. we had block exams. So we were tested on every subject at once. Some, some schools that, you know, you'll get tested on anatomy, then physiology, but we had all ours at one time. Wow. So we we're trying to cram all this information. And it was the first time I was ever trying to learn information long-term. Because mm. I wasn't, this wasn't like in college, I knew I could just forget this because I just, yep. I wasn't going to specialize in biology. I right. just had to remember for the exam, boom, right. it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in medical school, you can't do that. You're trying to remember this stuff for the long term. Um, right. And it was the first time I'd ever had to do that. Uh, right. So, which, which I'm sure is incredibly difficult for a lot of, I mean, you guys are being a doctor, you're very, you're very smart, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're, usually the, the, some of the top performers of schools that you're coming from. And so to then having to be able to have to retain information, you don't have to just memorize it for the test. And you're like, okay, I don't need to retain this. Now you're like, okay, I need to remember this for forever. If I can, I mean, this is all beneficial working towards what you want. Um, And so I'm sure that's, that's unique. Um, And that's the first time you get a, uh, exposed to patients, right? Cause most of us, like you have, you have standardized patients, but sometimes you had to go out and see like real patients during a, even the, the preclinical or the clinical preclinical years, you had to go see standardized patients. Sometimes you had to go see real patients. Then you get the third and fourth year and you have at least a baseline knowledge academically, but you have no clue what you're doing clinically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you can practice a physical exam and all this other stuff that you want to in medical school, in the, preclinical years but it's a different story when you're actually like it's a live person and you have to listen to your first heartbeat and then you know you have to you have to get the history do the exam and then you have to go tell someone the resident or the attending that's above you right and knowing they're going to repeat the exact same thing and they're probably going to find stuff that you didn't find so <laughs> you have to get used to being wrong mm-hmm. and kind of embarrassed yeah, very yeah. quickly and I, and I think this is something you're going to even touch on more in residency. I can remember um, certain doctors really yeah. pushing you and making you feel like 
you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You're inferior. Or you're, yeah. you know, and everybody reacts to those situations differently. Yeah. And some people fold and then some people, it pushes them to be better. Yeah. And so I'm sure that's a whole host of other things. I mean, it's that- just something you have, because even now as a fellow, I'm a, a pseudo attending, right? I'm yeah, six weeks away from being the only name at the bottom of the report. And I'm still mm-hmm. like, you still make mistakes. I watch people that have been doing this for 30, 35 years still make mistakes. They miss things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that I had to get used to more so in, in residency than medical school, but right. it's something that doctors have to get used to. And it's something that's hard to explain to the, to a patient a non-medical patient that like we're going to make mistakes. Right. And unfortunately, sometimes it's going to cost lives and it's going to harm people, um, which hopefully it wasn't done on purpose or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff, but it's going to happen. Right. Um, But I feel like I was just talking with my attending this morning about, I think I'm going to sound like a typical doctor here, but some patients have kind of the expectations are unrealistic when it comes to doctors. Mm -hmm. Like no one expects you as a tech to be perfect. Right. right, you're going to make mistakes, but when it comes to the doctors specifically, they think, "Oh man, you guys should never make mistakes. You should be perfect." Yada yada yada. Yeah. That's just not. That's not how it works. It's tough, and I think, and I think, yeah, I think, you know, and I and not working in the healthcare profession um, is like a not in that industry. I think as a person, mm-hmm. other people that I talk to, you do, you say, you know, you, they trust their doctor. Um, yeah, you forget sometimes that like you know, doctors have hard days, doctors have families, doctors go through life things and, and, Mm -hmm. or they're tired or kids are stay up too late or, you know, things like that. And, and, and you make a little mistake or you do something here. No one's, no one's perfect. And like you said, um, we're, we're trying to, uh, or you guys are trying to not make those mistakes. Like we're all trying to not make mistakes, Mm -hmm. Um, but things happen and, and, you hope that if it's a little mistake and it's caught somewhere or, or yeah. whatever that is, you know, cause you guys, you know, everybody takes that oath, you know, do no harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, and radiology is kind of, well, again, we're getting kind of ahead of ourselves, but radiology is unique in that most people don't know we exist. Right. So if, if you get a, if you get an extra, maybe ultrasound, cause they see you and you're like, Oh, I'm going to go talk to the radiologist about this, whatever. But, especially if you get like an x-ray or an MRI, they never see us. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, I, I assume that a lot of people assume the person that tells them the results is the one that the patient thinks read the scan, mm. right? So if a, right. if a surgeon tells the patient the results, he may have read the scan, but mm. I was the, my name was on the report. Right. Um, if family medicine, like they may tell you, hey, your, your DEXA shows that you have osteoporosis, but mm. I was the one yeah. that said, Hey, you have osteoporosis right. or if you have stage four cancer, likely I was the one that said, Hey, you have Mets here, 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 and here. Right. Um, so we, we exist in the dark and I think most of us are okay with that, but yeah. it's hard. It's just, it's hard to explain what radiology does because most people don't know we right. exist. And, and I think, and I think even sometimes that I feel like um, some doctors that order the exams or nurse practitioners, PAs, um, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes they leave certain portions out of not, mm-hmm. I don't know, not telling the patient, you know, yeah, um, whatever it is, you know, they ended up, they have gallstones. And so they say, yes, you have gallstones or yes, you have this, but we didn't tell you had a, a kidney cyst. It wasn't mm-hmm. really relevant for me to tell you, not a big deal, but yeah. you know, I feel like 
yeah. lot of times I'll be like, oh, okay, I looked at your last study and we're just kind of following up a kidney cyst. And they're like, I didn't know I had cysts or I didn't know yeah. it's not a big deal. Um, but you know, I feel like the doctors who are nurses or whomever orders these exams, sometimes they leave little bits and pieces out. Yeah. That's in the radiologist's report. Yeah. Um, so I think if anybody's listening to this, I think it's beneficial for, and I think I, I tell, I try to tell all, all my patients that I, that I get to see, you know, get request your reports, um, you know, look over the reports yourself. That's your medical record. This is your history. This is your life. Um, it's great to always, you know, trust your doctor if you believe in your doctor, but I think, um, reading, you know, looking at your own reports and having yeah. those on file, even if you move somewhere else. You know, if you yeah. go from state to state, I think it's and you want to say, OK, here's my here's my documentation from wherever I was at prior. I think having those things are, are super important. Yeah. Um, and just in my in my opinion. Um, so should we should we is there anything else you want to go over medical school wise, Gage? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's yeah. covers it. That's right up to we'll talk about we can talk about applying for residency next time because you do that, obviously, in medical school. But right. I feel like that's more of a residency thing than. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll lump that in next time. Did you want to hit a couple of the questions? Yeah. I know we have some left from last time. Let's go ahead and okay. how many do we have? I th- we have four and I, and okay. I, we, we I briefly, we all. yeah, I think so too. Um, and these are, oh, I'm just going to shoot them to you. Um, mm-hmm. so why, uh, and, and tell me the best you can. Why isn't it standard practice to test a D dimer yeah. before doing a P? So, you know, before you tell me, before you tell me, um, yeah. These are questions that we've got via social media or via people who have asked us. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're just kind of trying to answer your guys' questions. Yeah. So, this is actually uh, kind of fun. I like answering the, okay. as long as they're radiology specific, uh, right. I'm not, don't ask me, fair warning, don't ask me any medicine questions, <laughs> OB, PEDS, don't ask me any of that, unless right. it's related to radiology. MSK. Uh, which, yeah. Uh, this, you, you need, this question you just asked me I, is more of a medicine question than radiology, but the simple or simplified answer is that it's just the D-dimer is not very specific. I think it just tests for like a breakdown of a clot, like a, a product of a clot that breaks down. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very sensitive. So if it's negative, you don't like a high likelihood you don't have a clot. But if it's mm-hmm. positive, that doesn't mean you have a clot. So right. it's sensitive, uh, but it's not specific. Mm-hmm. A lot of things can do it. Clots can do it. Uh, sepsis can do it. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of things that can cause that D-dimer to go up. Right. Injuries, iatrogenic. And you, our D-dimer could be positive right now, you, yours and I, and we don't have clots. We're, right. I mean, I'm overweight, but we're healthy 32, 33-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Like, our D-dimer still could be, it's like, um, uh, what's the test? The ESR, like a, a SED rate or a CRP. Mm-hmm. We could test it right now, just inflammatory markers. They're likely going to be elevated. It doesn't mean anything. Um, so I think that's why they don't standard uh, routinely use the D dimer for a PE. Um, gotcha. So, and I think there's, yeah, yeah. there's there's some nuances to it, but that's that's right. the simplified answer. Yeah, very generalized. It's good. Yeah. Um, okay. This is why. Let's see. What do you use for pediatric dosing for mm-hmm. CT contrast? So I don't I don't like reading kid images or anything like that. Um, but this is an easy answer. Every, almost everything in kids dosing wise is related to their weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a good website. Um, let me think. CT is us.com. It's run by his guy is, uh, I think his name's Elliot Fishman. He's mm-hmm. a radiologist, body radiologist in uh, Hopkins. 
Oh, wow. And he, he has an education. He has a YouTube. He has all this stuff. He puts out cases and yada, yada, yada. But he has a page dedicated for like frequently asked questions. And this is one of them. Oh, wow. um, so he uses, they use two cc's per kilogram. So, or two mLs, whatever you want to use, same thing. Two mLs per kilogram. So if the kid weighs 35 kilograms, they use 70 mLs. Uh, but it's all based on weight. Yeah. Up until a certain point, once they reach like 14, 15, 16, and then they're our, you know, like a normal weight, then you just use a standard, standard. adult dose. Yeah. Okay. okay, cool. Mostly based on weight. Very good. Yeah. Uh, is it common for radiologists to ignore GFRs under 30 who aren't mm-hmm. on dialysis to give contrast mm-hmm. for non-life-saving procedures? Mm-hmm. So this is another thing that Fishman talks about. Um, he has, he links a whole bunch of articles. Uh, so contrast alone is not a risk for contrast induced nephropathy, which is what these people are referring to when they say the GFR is low. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for non-medical listeners, G- contrast induced nephropathy just means you give contrast and your kidneys fail, right? Everyone's heard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but contrast alone is not enough to do that. Um, according to several studies. So the GFR is just like, uh, overall is like a function of your kidneys um and i don't remember the numbers but i think it's divided by 30s um so less than 30 they mentioned less than 30 because that's the cutoff we use Mm -hmm. um if they're above 90 i think it's whatever you give them the full dose between 60 and 90 i think it's kind of up to you Um, once you get below 60 that's when you start looking to reduce the dose Mm -hmm. but you can still give it um so this is the one I told you about off camera where it's kind of preference. Um, mm-hmm. They're saying non-life threatening. So I think most of us as radiologists use, do the risks or the benefits of the procedure outweigh the risks or the scan outweigh the risks. So right. is the patient going to live? They say non-emergent in this question. So I would say most of us probably wouldn't do it. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's what most of us look at is, Right. Does the will the benefits of doing the scan outweigh the risks of not doing the scan? Yeah. Uh, then we don't care about GFR. We're gonna have you're gonna have to accept the consequences right. of your kidneys failing, or the dude the patient's gonna die. Right. So, and and I think you guys, this is something that you know you would probably go over with the referring physician or mm-hmm. PA and say, hey, like mm-hmm. you know, you guys, and that's then these are the important conversations that you guys say, hey, this is this, this could happen, this could happen. You know, are you willing make sure we go over the, all these things with the patient You go over everything with yeah. the, doc, the patient's doctor and then you guys mm-hmm. come to consensus together and make make this decision of doing what's best for the patient. Um, yeah. And like you said, the numbers might off the top of your head might not necessarily be exact, yeah. but that's the generalized generalized way. Of yeah. going about it. It's okay. a it's a very hot topic. Nephrologists are are big on it. Um, obviously, right. They take care of the kidney. For um, sure. Yeah. So if they're. If they're seeing a nephrologist, you could talk to them mm-hmm. to see do the benefits. You know, are, are they okay with us giving contrast or? Right. But if it's if it's like a routine thing, and mm-hmm. the kidneys are trashed, I don't yeah. think mo- most scans you can get away with mm-hmm. not using contrast. Contrast just helps quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, IV contrast, oral contrast, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But I think most scans mm-hmm. you can get away, or can you use a different modality? Right. Could right. we do ultrasound instead of CT? Could we do MR without contrast instead of CT? So if you can find a different modality, that's mm-hmm. another. Um, right. So I think the thought process is one risk versus benefit Two, mm-hmm. 
can we find a different modality? Three, if we can't, can we can we see what we need to see without contrast? Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and I, our last question here, and I think we talked a little bit about this. Do you think mm-hmm. diagnostic imaging is taken mm-hmm. away from oh hands-on patient care? <laughs> if, if, if any clinician listens to this, they're going to get angry. But the overwhelming <laughs> answer is yes. Right. Um, I don't know how much of it comes from doctors versus like advanced practitioners, NPs, PAs. Um, but this, my experience would be the ER specifically. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we become the physical exam, right? So they just right. get the, a lot of um, where I came from for residency. And I think maybe here, don't quote me on that. Yeah, they have sure. like a, a person, uh, usually like advanced practitioner that sits and triages, right? So if you come in mm-hmm. with belly pain, they triage it and they are the ones that order imaging. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times we read the imaging before the physician has even seen the patient. Right. Um, so I, I think, think the over, the answer is yes. But. I think, and I, and I think with this, I think even um, some places have not even advanced practitioners, they have, you know, nurses mm-hmm. that are triaging mm-hmm. patients. And so you don't have, you know, NPs, PAs, uh, physicians, yeah. you have nurses that are yeah. order, order, you know, the patient has this particular thing. Yeah. And so the nurse is saying, well, I'm going down the list and I should, if they come in with this, this is what we order. And we put this in yeah. and then the practitioners or the doctors um, go along with, with what the guidelines mm-hmm. they, they've set up. And so like you yeah. said before, anybody lays hands or sees the patient, mm-hmm. um, as an advanced practitioner or doctor, yeah. um, they're just ordering these exams and, yeah. and sometimes, you know, and sometimes I've, um, questioned or called the, the practitioner yeah. the doctor, and, and they're like, no, that, you know, that doesn't, that you're right. That doesn't make sense. Like, let's yeah. not, not do that let's hold off on that and sometimes we end up doing it down the line and then sometimes you know it's just it's not something that's necessary and yeah. so i think um that's where all scopes of medicine you know we all you, you don't i don't know, i don't take anything personally um in in yeah yeah medicine if i'm reaching out to you and i have a question or if i have yeah. something i want to say to you and you yeah. say no i think we should do this or no i don't think we should do this um so, i'm just saying you know i'm just bringing this to your attention if it's not already brought to your attention yeah. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, like an extraneous example would be like if, you know, if a stewardess is on an airplane and she thinks she hears something wrong with mm-hmm. something and the, the pilot, they're all going, they don't hear the same thing. It's, I think it's appropriate for the stewardess to say something, even if it's like, oh, no, that's supposed to make that noise or, or whatever yeah. it is. Like, yeah. There's nobody that's above anybody else. And I feel like especially in is somebody who's if you're new in the medical field don't feel like you're inferior to anybody because you have yeah. an opinion or a question or something that you've learned mm-hmm. uh, bring that to somebody's attention um and and don't worry if they take it personally because you're yeah. we're, our job is to do what's best for the patients yeah. and if if you bring in question upset somebody then so be it let that be um but yeah i, I think have, I, uh, I, need... I have a my last blurb here every time a medical student comes through and they're not interested in radiology, I tell them the same thing. And this applies to this situation. So mm-hmm. one, they made it, we, not we, the ACR made a guideline mm-hmm. for, called the appropriateness criteria. If a person mm-hmm. comes in with abdominal pain, you go to the page that says abdominal pain, and it will rank what imaging you should order if, imaging, if any imaging is needed. So one, people should be aware of that and use it. Two, you mentioned about having questions and calling and I always tell people that I would 
most, I would assume most radiologists, myself included, would rather you call if you don't know, one, if you need an exam, two, what exam do you need? Just pick up the phone and call the reading room. We'd, much, we'd be much happier to answer right. a question to get the correct exam than be pissed when you order the wrong exam. We have to read that exam, and then we tell you which exam is the right one to read, and then we have to read that one as well. Right. So always pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, when it comes to imaging, the question everyone should be asking, in my opinion, is will this change management? Mm-hmm. So if you want to order imaging, how is this going to change if we find something on here, how is it going to change your management going forward? If it's right. not, don't order the exam. Right. Don't order right. something just because you can order something. Right. Um, so that, that's kind of the blurb I always give medical school that aren't interested in radiology because I think it's important for them to know. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and I think that's a great thing too that you say that because I think I've talked to PAs and things and they're just sometimes they're not sure about something. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've done, I think we, I literally just told you this. I did an exam on a patient that had a pulmonary embolism mm-hmm. and then had a DVT in their legs. And mm-hmm. we were also looking for a DVT in the arms. And, you know, sometimes things don't make sense and, and we do certain things. And it's like, yeah. what, what, like you said, does this help the management of the patient? And, 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 um, is it going to change that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 a great way of, of forming the question. Um, and so those are the, the four questions that we've gotten okay. so far that we want to review. And I know this is probably oh yeah, my turn. Gage's favorite part here coming. I have up. a I have a whole bunch of questions. I want to figure out which one I want to ask you. Okay, okay. Uh, well, let me pull up our little yeah yeah notes our notes here. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see here what we got. I have a couple. Okay. That I could ask. I'm trying to think which one would be shorter. We're getting kind of long here. Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got probably a couple, couple minutes left remaining. Um, okay, I'll ask. It's a, this is kind of it could be in depth, but you can keep it quick if you want. Okay. If money was not an issue, mm-hmm. what job would you have? What would you have done with your life? Like, what career would you have picked? Man, I think if, if money wasn't an issue, I would. Probably if it was in terms of a job, I think I would have probably done something in sports, yeah. whether it be, an, you know, I would have tried to be in a locker room or an announcer or a, mm-hmm. um, something sports related, which I mean, medically, I mean, I guess, you know, I could do ultrasounds on athletes and things like that, which mm-hmm. I've done on athletes, uh, maybe not necessarily professional athletes, but um, mm-hmm. I think it, anything that I would want to be a part of, I don't know, a, a, a sports team because it's just that yeah. camaraderie, the, uh, it, I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, that's why half our podcast is sports and medicine yeah. <laughs> because I yeah. love the sports side so much. Um, I just do the medical side. So, um, and so, yeah, I think so. I think that's what I would probably go with. I don't even know a specific like job title. Yeah. Have, but something not, sports in general yeah put me in anywhere as a sports yeah whether it's marketing was, yeah yeah i mean yeah, your marketing would be fun i always yeah. thought announcing would be fun but yeah, mine would be related to neither of the things that we talk about on this podcast and i wish i would have known that it was going to turn into what it turned into because I, I, I have a feeling i know this yeah because i was i don't know how old i was 2001 i remember uh i forget who's on the cover but I, I was big into Madden, right? So the Xbox was the first big console. I owned the PlayStation 1, and then I went to Xbox. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but Madden 2001 was like the first real game I just like sunk mm-hmm. my teeth into. And I remember <laughs> I, cr- I created this player. I played for like 11 seasons. I just wasted so much time on it. I was just like this fat little nerd just <laughs> in my in my room for hours yeah. on hours right. on hours. Mm-hmm. Um, had I known streaming would have turned into what it turned into, that's what I would have done. Yeah, video game playing video games. Um, I don't enjoy it as much now just because of life and medicine right. and all that kind of stuff. But uh, right. I've lost so many like the best memories I have in my life. You know, when I'm 11 playing Madden, uh, I get into high school and my one of my friends lived with me and we oh. played um, Guitar Hero. We just oh, yeah. for countless hours. We just yeah, yeah, we yeah. jammed out. Uh, I lost hours playing Halo, all these different games, and then Call of Duty in college. I would stay up till three or four a.m. playing that. So right. easily streaming video yeah. games specifically would have been what I would have done. Yeah, in the world of Twitch. I mean, once you're done, hey man, another six weeks. You yeah. know, we got our, we'll get our Twitch going. We'll we'll play some uh, we'll play some video games. Maybe we'll throw it up and, and do a. Podcast. We do need to get a live a live portion going. See if that's. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I don't know. We'll we'll put something out there for the viewers, and they can watch me uh, kick your butt and uh, some sort of game. Yeah, the only issue is you're in a more like old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Mario and stuff like that, probably Super Smash, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I do love those. Um, I, I can, yeah. I can, I do, I do a lot of, I do, do I don't, I don't really play games much anymore. But I mean, I like you, I play a lot of, I used to play NBA 2K or Madden. 2K, I think, mm-hmm. was like my life when I was like in college and I, I shouldn't say mm-hmm. my life. Man, I played a lot of, I yeah. wasted a lot of countless hours playing some 2K, building my team up, making trades, yeah. uh, trying to be the GM and and all that kind of stuff. And then what is what is developed with Ninja, um, and all mm-hmm. these all these Twitch streamers? Like, man, it's a it's a different world we live in. And I don't, no, I don't know who saw that coming, but kudos to that. Um, yeah. But but yeah, maybe maybe we'll get like a we'll one of these a, days. Yeah, one of these days we'll get it out. Somebody maybe like guess put a comment in our our um our one of our social medias what you guys want to see us rock out and maybe we'll we'll make it happen. Um and we'll, and if you know if we can maybe we'll play with a viewer one day or something like we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think I think that covers that. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. Um So what do we got? So next time we'll do I'll do residency. Right, right. I'll, I'll um, go and then we'll figure out some some travel stuff for you to talk about because there's always something we can yeah. expand on. Yeah, I'll hit. You know, I'll probably touch on maybe some some things that happened during COVID um, mm-hmm. with traveling and and uh, now the world we're in traveling today. Well, we'll against a little bit of surprises, um, yeah. and so we'll hit on those things. Right. And don't re- remember to check yeah, us out that? on our social media handles, which yeah. are Gage will tell you. So we're on TikTok. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're on YouTube at rad underscore talk underscore DG. And then you can also email Dennis. We share an email, but Dennis will answer your travel questions. If you have questions about medical school or anything like that, I'll answer them. And it's rad talk with DG at gmail.com. For sure. All right. Well, we, we look forward to hearing from you guys and uh, also get ready for more of our sports picks. All right. We'll see you next episode. Next time, guys.